Hey, my name's Ruben, the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. Welcome to our podcast, where you can catch up on all the messages that you might have missed, or you might want to hear again. We hope you enjoy this message. We hope it challenges you. We hope it encourages you. And we hope ultimately that it would draw you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. He is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen. Father, we thank you for our time this morning to be able to worship and praise you and celebrate that Jesus is alive. They tried. They tried so hard. They even put a soldier and a stone in front and thought they could hold him back. But Jesus won the victory. And he overcame sin on, sin on the cross so that we may be free. And today we serve a risen Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. How are we doing this morning? It's good to be together. And it's wonderful to be able to um, celebrate Easter and, and celebrate what it means um, for us as, as followers of Jesus. Um, if, you're, if you're new here this morning or you're visiting, welcome. It's great to have you here. Uh, loved, lovely to have you with us at our place, and we really hope you feel at home here. And um, this morning we're uh, talking about a resurrection hope. And there is a resurrection hope because of what Jesus did for us. And I want to explain that. But I thought I would start with my pink basket. Who laughed at my pink basket? Inside my pink basket is, is six eggs. And I thought, why don't we do a quiz? Oh, an opportunity to win these six eggs. That sounds fantastic. Really, I just did this because I like lobbing things, and I really wanted an opportunity to chuck eggs at people. But don't worry, these are chocolate eggs, and they won't smash and make a mess. They may smash and make a mess, but they won't make the, the egg. Oh, that one won't. Um, so I thought I would do a bit of a quiz for us, all right? So you just pop up your hand, and I'll choose randomly. And it's Who Am I? Bible edition, all right? Easter edition. Oh, even better. Um, so we'll try that and see how that goes, eh? We're all ready to try? Clearly, Rachel's excited. <laughs> Wonderful. So here's, here's the first one. The people call for me to be set free instead of Jesus. Who am I? Ah, uh, see, so you, you didn't, why'd you shout out for? Why would you be naughty like that? All right, put your hands up. Go again. It's going to be so hard to get this one. At the back. Was it you shouted the first time? You're not getting the egg. I'm only joking. Catch. Yes! Come on. Oh, Laura, I'm sorry for health and safety reasons. I shouldn't be, probably be doing that. Um, uh, I went early to the tomb and saw the stone was rolled away. Who am I? In the hands. Okay, you're done. Well done. Nice easy one here. Oh, good job. All right. There's no pressure to catch because two out of two so far. Um, I cut off the ear of the high priest. Who am I? Yes, Craig. Well done. Oh, overarm or underarm? All right, here we go. We lob. Yes. Wonderful. All right. I went, to, I went with Joseph to bury Jesus in the tomb. Who am I? I gotcha. All right, if you've got a Bible, quickly turn to John 19, verse 39. Go. And then put your hand up when you find out the answer. This is just a fact check that this is right. Darren doesn't want an egg. Anybody find it? This is the old Sunday school days. Sword drill. Yes? 
Yes, Shona. Oh, this is going to be... Uh, duck. Everyone duck. Duck. Oh, there's an egg. Oh, meh, meh, meh. All right. I carried the cross for Jesus when he could no longer. Who am I? Full name. Full title. Claire? Oh, well done. Oh, good catch. Fantastic. All right, last one. Last one. Jesus took us with him to the garden to pray, but we kept falling asleep. Yes? Yeah, yeah, I need the three names of the disciples. Ah, wonderful. Give her a big round of applause. That was so good. I'm sorry if that hurt you. <gasps> We're done with that. Okay. All right. Give everybody a round of applause. That was good. Well done. So we're all up to date now with what's going on at Easter, which is great. Um, I heard this story once, and it was about a man who went on holiday with his, uh, went to Israel, went to the Holy Lands for a holiday with his family. And he took along his, his wife, he took his kids, and his very difficult to deal with and ever-nagging mother-in-law. Now, if your mother-in-law is here this morning, do not look at her right now. Okay. So while they were on this holiday in the Holy Lands, um, something tragic really happened, and the mother-in-law actually passed away. Why would you laugh? It's terrible. So they're trying to figure out what to do with the body, and this is a, this is a really hard thing for them. They're in, they're in the Holy Lands, and they're like, wow, man, we just don't know what to do here. They're from New Zealand, and um, they contacted a local undertaker, and they asked for advice, and they were like, like here's the situation. We're on fa- a holiday with our families. Um, we brought along our, our wonderful mother-in-law, and um, she passed away. What, what, what to do with her? What to do with her? And he says, well, you've got two options. You can either uh, fly her home, fly her back home, um, and that'll cost you $5,000. So if you want to go back home, that'll cost you $5,000. If you'd like to bury her here in the Holy Lands, it would only cost you 150 bucks. Whoa, what a deal. So the undertaker was trying to, trying to sell it, and he said, um, so what would you like to go for? So the, the, the guy, he thought, oh, man, do I need to take my mother-in-law home or do I need to leave her here? And um, he thought about it a bit longer, and um, he said, uh, I think the right thing to do is to take my mother-in-law home. So I'm going to pay the $5,000 and, and bring her home. And the under, undertaker was like, why would you pay $5,000 when you can actually bury her in the Holy Lands for 150 bucks?" He says, and I recognize that's a pretty good deal, but there was a man a long time ago who was buried here, and three days later he rose again, and I really can't take the chance that she might come back from the dead. I really apologize to all the mother-in-laws. I have to say, on record, and it's online, I do love my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful lady. So this is, this is I was thinking of no one when I was saying this story. But the resurrection of Jesus, and that's absolutely not a true story, and um, that the resurrection of Jesus is so significant it really, truly is. We cannot ignore the resurrection of Jesus. You see, the significance of Easter is that Jesus Christ triumphed over death. His resurrection means eternal life granted to all those who believe. And you see, the purpose of Easter is for us to recognize that it's a full confirmation for everything Jesus taught, everything he taught. He was doing and fulfilling the Father's will. You see, if he had not risen from the dead or simply died and not been resurrected, he would just be thought of as another teacher, another preacher, another prophet. 
However, the resurrection rebuked each and everyone's thoughts around that and provided a final and undeniable proof that he is the Son of God and that he overcome, overcame death once and for all. Hallelujah. You see, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the core to the Christian gospel, to what we believe. You know, Paul says, if Christ had not raised from the dead, then our preaching would be um, just hope and in vain. And certainly without the resurrection, there'd be no Christian preaching or, or faith if that, uh, for that matter. You see, the apostles of Jesus, as we heard about on Saturday, were really confused to what was going on. They were this disheartened group of people thinking, oh my goodness, like the person we've followed for so long is now dead. What do we do? They were in total despair until they met the risen Savior, or where they touched the wounds of Jesus' hands and his, and his feet and the spear marks that was left in his body, and they ate and they drank with him, and the resurrection became the foundation for everything that they had to say and do. In Acts 2 to 4, we read about that, and then in Luke 24, 39, it says, For a spirit has not flesh and bones, as you see that I have. You see, the resurrection affirms that Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, this place that no one really thought much about where he came from, he was in fact the promised and prophesied Messiah of Israel, the King and the Lord of the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, and the new earth. But what, is, what does Easter mean? What, is, what does the word even Easter mean? You see, Easter, bit of a history lesson coming up, Easter didn't always signify um, Christ's resurrection from dead. In fact, Easter was considerably different to what we understand as Christians today. The Feast of Easter was actually a pagan holiday um, back in the day that was of renewal and rebirth. Um, Honored in early spring, so clearly in the Northern Hemisphere, and, and it was praised by the Saxon goddess Easter, okay? Um, when the early Christian moved um, into the area of the, the Saxons and Christianity began to spread, this spring holiday, because it, it, it occurred around the time of um, traditional memorials of Christ's resurrection from the dead, they joined together with this pagan festival and it became known as Easter. The meaning of Easter has also changed to now honor the significance of Christ's resurrection from the dead, but also looking at new life. And, um, and tying in with the, with the pagan festival. So for a lot of people today, um, the Easter Bunny is a significant thing around Easter, right? Um, the origins of the Easter Bunny, just in case you were wondering, I heard somebody ask. In the, in, in the 13th century in Germany is where that dated back to. Um, they had this group of people, they worshipped pagan gods and goddesses. Uh, and there's one um, goddess, she was called Oystra. Oystra. So you can see the, the, the name where it comes from. And, and she was the goddess of fertility in spring. So I think that's why they put it together with a rabbit. Um, you see, the word Easter originates from the goddess's name. And due to um, the, the, the rabbit being the symbol of new life, um, in AD 595, Pope Gregory sent the Roman monks to the Anglo-Saxons, and, and, and they celebrated this celebration together and eventually, this is where we get the concept of coming together to celebrate Easter because it's talking about new life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. History lesson done. All right? There's plenty of non-traditional um, religious um, traditions for, for Easter, such as the Easter bunny, like we said. We have Easter egg hunts symbolizing new life. Sunrise services. Some people already have met this morning at sunrise to um, gather together at this special time to be able to celebrate that we have a risen Savior. 
Um, resurrection rolls, here's a cool one for you, for a few parents who so like to entertain kids. These are rolls that you bake and you put a marshmallow inside. When you cook them, the marshmallow disappears and melts into the bread, which symbolize the tomb being empty. It's cool, isn't it? And in the Northern Hemisphere, they often use Easter lilies, white, beautiful lilies that represent the purity of Jesus' sacrifice for new life that we have through his resurrection. You know, there's, there's one other thing, and I want to make reference to this, because we often hang up the color purple on the cross. And I want to explain just a bit about that. The color purple is a, is a really popular color at this time of year. Um, and to understand why purple became popular, it, popular it's because of um, it was the color that represented Lent and Easter uh, for a long time. And we must understand where it all came from, because purple dye was this really, really hard to get um, commodity back in the day, and, and people would have had to work really, really hard to get purple dye. And it actually came from harvesting certain marine snails is where they got purple from. So there was so much work and effort put in to, the, to get in purple dye that anything that you bought purple was really, really, really expensive. And only given to people who were like kings, royal members, those in high rank and authority, so the, 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 the color purple has become a mark of royalty and sovereignty. And we're reading about this today in, in Jesus' um, crucifixion where the Roman so- soldiers, as they, were, as they were torturing Jesus during his crucifixion, they were well aware of what purple meant. They were well aware of it. And this is why as a mockery to Jesus, before his crucifixion, they dressed him in, in purple. Then they put a crown of thorns on his head, and we read about this this morning, and they proceeded to beat him and yell at him, Heal, King of the Jews. And then in further attempt to humiliate him, they had a sign pinned above the cross saying, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. So as churches and as Christians today, we, we use the color purple to remember that, in fact, Jesus is the King of kings, and he is the Lord and Lord's. And even though they were mocking him, he still had triumph. He still had triumph. So as we consider where Easter came from, and we, and we, when we think in our heads, what is Easter? Maybe this is what some of us think. Maybe we think, man, Easter is the end of term. It's a break. It's a long weekend. It's the last chance of good weather. The list goes on. But I don't want the excitement of all these things to get in the way that this is an opportunity for us to truly remember the significance of Easter, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As I said at the very start, it changes everything. It changes everything. You see, in the Bible, Jesus said to himself that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus died and he rose back to life so that everyone can have a meaningful relationship with God the Father the creator of the universe. Because of Jesus' victory over death uh, and coming back to life, we too can experience that resurrection life, that everlasting life. But not only does Jesus offer a promise of a future, but he also offers to be with us each and every day. When a world that causes us distress about the cost of living, health concerns, anxiety over safety, heartache or dissatisfaction or fear and many other crises of negative feelings, Jesus offers us something greater and something deeper. Do you know that Jesus said this, and this is his words in John 10, 10, that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full? 
Jesus is interested in how we are going to live our lives. It doesn't mean that we will never experience sickness, financial hardship, family crisis, disappointment, loneliness, or grief. But it does mean that we can have hope when we're going through the hardships. You see, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection means that you are deeply loved and that you're not alone in your struggles. That's good news, right? That's a life of overflowing abundance. And that's what it means to truly feel alive today and into the future. And that's the meaning of Easter. That is that resurrection hope because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. In 2017, um, Netflix, they brought out a show called 13 Reasons Why. And it was a show on why people would give up on life. And it started this um, international discussion um, about death and the reason for living and, and the meaning behind life. And, the, and some people asked the question, is life, what's life really about? What, what makes people want to live? Um, it's an important question um, that, there, that came up when this, document, or this series came out. At the same time in 2017, uh, a, a psychologist um, wrote an article in Psychology Today um, and her title was 13 Reasons to Live. And on their list were things like, life is an invitation to learn. It's a, a new day, which means new experiences. And what I found most surprising about the list was not what was on it, um, but what wasn't on it. You see, the thing I believe that every one of us needs in order to live, it's not just knowledge and experience. Those things are great things, of course. It's not just love or acceptance, and of course, they're really, really important. But I really, truly feel, I think the answer is, is hope. It's hope. Hope is what keeps us alive, like food, like water, like air, like living day to day. People need hope. They need to place their hope in to something. You know, we have scientific knowledge, we have information, but we, we do need hope. And I heard this quote that says, to live without hope is to cease to live. But what is hope? You know, we throw this word around quite a lot, and we sang about it this morning, and I heard it once described as this. It's uh, desire mixed with expectation. Desire mixed with expectation. And I like that. Uh, hope is when I want something that I don't have, but I fully expect to have it. Are you with me? It's something that I, I don't have, um, and I desire it, um, but I fully expect to receive it. You know, example might be something like this. A father who's received a terminal diagnosis, he desires to be well, of course, to live long enough to see his children grow up and, and God willing to have their own children. And thanks to careful treatment plan, he expects that all his desires will come true. Yes, the journey will be difficult, but hope makes the journey worth it. There is power in hope. And that is the power of hope. You see, without Easter, there's no mission. Because without Easter, there is no good news. There's no resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most pivotal event in all of history. And at Easter, we get to remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it represents God's ultimate triumph over sin, death, and evil. And the restoration of humanity to a right relationship with himself. It's good news. It's good news. And that's resurrection hope. You know, we have, with, with, we have hope that, that scientific facts can't explain. I love this story out of John where Martha, um, she really understood hope. She really did. 
You know, after her brother Lazarus had died and he'd been dead for four days, Martha met with Jesus and as he was arriving, she said to him, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now, God will do whatever you ask. Wow. Even now, four days. Four days her brother was dead and she still had hope, yes. She desires to see her brother live again and fully expects Jesus to make that a reality. And we learn as much in the verses that follow that he does. But Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, he said? And she said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who's come into the world. You see, Martha's hope was centered on Jesus. And for those of us who follow Christ, when we take a mix of a desire and an expectation, my desire is to follow Christ. My eyes are fixed on him. And I have a full expectation, even though this, t- this life will be hard at times, I have a full expectation that one day he will make all things new. It's good news. It's good news. You see, Jesus' resurrection is the basis for this Christian hope that I'm talking about. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have a hope that death has finally been defeated. We have a hope that we can be fully redeemed, fully restored. We have a hope that there's a new creation coming. We have a hope that everything wrong in this world will be made right. It's good. And our desire is to see everything made new, mixed with that expectation that will be amazing. Makes everything worthwhile. That is the power of Christian hope. That is resurrection hope. Are you with me this morning? Resurrection hope is life-changing. It it sometimes defies medical wisdom, and we can't even grasp it. It comes face-to-face with death, and it says, you lose. It stares into the face of odds that are so stacked against you and demands that just seem impossible. There's a book that um, N.T. Wright, he's a New Testament scholar, and he says this, hope for the Christian is not wishful thinking or mere blind optimism. It's a mode of knowing, a mode within which new things are possible. Options are not shut down, a new creation can happen. That is hope. How good. Christian hope sees beyond the brokenness of the present and into the future of the renewed creation, and hope makes the journey worthwhile. Hope is our reason to live. The resurrection, um, hope gives a complete difference to life. You see, there's a gap between God and humankind. But thanks to Jesus and his miraculous work on the cross, we can now have this assured reason that we simply just have to come to him and say this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God has rescued us from this place that we could never have rescued ourselves from. Our future was death, but Jesus came and brought new life, a living hope into our souls and into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's invite the team up. I want to finish about that concept and that idea of simply believing. Simply believing. And let's look back 
to um, the passage we read this morning. It talks about the thief who hung beside Jesus. I want to mess with you a bit. You see, the thief hanging beside Jesus on the cross, it kind of messes with our understanding of what church life should be. It kind of messes with our theology a wee bit if we're, if we're honest. Because the thief never experienced baptism. Oh. He never once got to take communion. He never gave a cent to church. Not sure if he owned any church clothes. Never maybe had attended a Bible study before. In fact, he never prayed the sinner's prayer. And to top it all off, he was a thief. He was a thief. How does that add up in our heads? Jesus never got to take away his pain. pain. He never got to heal him. Yet it was that very thief that walked into paradise with Jesus. Wow. Simply by believing. Simply by believing. Now, let me retell you this story. All those things that I listed that he didn't get to do are all good things. And they're all really important. But he never got to experience those things. Did that make him any less of a follower of Jesus and he walked into paradise with him? No. Because he simply believed. Sometimes we overcomplicate it, I think. Actually, I think I'll change that to I know that we overcomplicate it. Simply confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Jesus said, because of your faith, today you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, he had nothing to offer Jesus. Nothing. Except belief. Except belief. He wasn't some brilliant theologian that we follow on Instagram. He had no ego, no platform. He was just a naked man dying on a cross who recognized the Son of God. He recognized the Son of God for who he was. See, John spells this out so clearly for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. Come on. Ah, that's good news. That's good news, people. That's the gospel. Whoever needs a savior, you simply just need to believe in our God. And he'll transform the rest. Man, he does transform us. His spirit shapes us. You know that idea of this like really ugly stone? We're all like the ugly stone when we first come to faith. And then Jesus just chips away. And he's smoothing us off. And one day we're all going to be polished and be beautiful. Much better than Pammy Rocks. It's going to be fantastic. Fantastic. Why don't you stand with me? Oh, Jesus, we love you. We worship and we praise your name. You know, there's things that are thrown at us in life all the time and, and, and we really struggle at times and and I, I just couldn't imagine life without you. You are 
truly our living hope. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, everything is changed. Everything is changed. Lord, let's hold on. Let's let our hearts cry be this, that we hold on to that hope. Our desire is to be more like you. Our desire is to be with you. We haven't fully received that, and yet we see glimpses. You're so good to us. You still give us glimpses of heaven here on earth. We recognize that life will be tough. There'll be things thrown at us in life, for sure. And each one of us probably have things right now in our brains where we're going, oh yeah, but life's hard at the moment. And it is. But let me introduce you to resurrection hope. Because when we set our desire and our expectation that one day all things will be made new, it makes it so much more worthwhile. That's resurrection hope. Lord, our prayer this morning that each and every person here would receive the Lord Jesus as their Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but will have eternal, everlasting life. Hallelujah. Lord, let us proclaim that we serve a God that loves us so much and that knows every details of our lives and cares about us. And yet all you ask of us is to simply believe. To simply believe. So Father, we stretch out our arms and our hearts this morning and we say we believe. Let's say it together. We believe. We believe. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or maybe after today's message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find out everything you need to know on our website, which is crossroads.co.nz. Make sure you click subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss out on new content. Thanks for stopping by.